Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer, and I'll see you there. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast, where we have conversations about education, leadership, and building a school of excellence. The goal on this show is to bring you clarity, up-level your mindset, and give you practical strategies and inspiration so you can show up with confidence and trust your decision-making. I'm Khan Wolshansky. I'm a mom of four under 10, a former New Yorker, and been in the early childhood field my entire life. And I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this conversation. Hey, hey, and welcome back. I'm excited for today's episode, and, and I and I hope you can glean some really valuable insight to enjoy this upcoming holiday season. So one of the first things that I want to share is this episode is about removing the guilt that many of us experience during the holiday season around when I'm here, oh, I feel guilty, I should be here. And then when you're there, you're like, oh, I feel guilty, I should be there. So this episode is going to give you some tangible strategies for how to be where your feet are. So if you're interested in entering the holiday season and being where your feet are, being present and intentional about wherever you are, then this episode is for you. Again, this isn't an episode about self-care boundaries or any of that kind of stuff. This is boundaries during the holiday season for you to be where your feet are. So the first thing I want to start with is what does joy mean to you during the holiday season? When you think of the holidays, what is happening in your house when you think of the word joy. And I really want you to paint that visual image in your mind of what that looks like. And again, for every single one of you, depending on the season of life that you're in, it's going to look different, right? For me, the holidays are about Hanukkah. And Hanukkah time for me means sitting around the menorah. It's sitting around the lights. It's playing dreidel. It's playing games. It's drinking the hot chocolate by the fire. It's eating the donuts and latkes. Like those are the images for me. It's about connection. It's about, you know, community coming together. It's about the menorah parades that we do. You know, for my family, Hanukkah is just a huge time of connection. That's our holiday for us. And my dad, he lives in Jersey. I grew up in Jersey. And last year, my dad was actually on, uh, I forgot which news station, and the local news guy called him New Jersey's Menorah Man. My dad actually puts up 150 public menorahs throughout the entire state of New Jersey. Um, He starts uh, about a couple weeks before Hanukkah, and he puts them all over in the major bridges and tunnels and out-of-bridge crossings and all the governors and mayor's offices and just everywhere. 
And so for me, Hanukkah is also so much about coming together with extended community and seeing people and coming together with the joy of the lights, the joy that the lights bring. So that's for me, right? It's a big part of my childhood and my upbringing and what my dad continues to do. And, you know, I'm always connecting with him and I'm like, where are you today? And, you know, where are you lighting the menorah today? And who are you with today? And it's an eight day holiday, right? So that's what it really means for me. Now, what's important to remember is for you, obviously the holidays mean something different, right? For everyone who's listening, whatever holiday season means for you, I want you to get clear on what does the word joy mean, right? What do you want it to look like? Because when you can start to create that mental image, you can start to create the boundaries that are associated with protecting that specific thing that you want for the holiday of what joy means, right? So if joy means sitting around the table and eating, you know, traditional food that you grew up with or that your grandma made for you or, you know, poppy made for you, like, does that mean that there's a no phone rule at the table? You know, does that mean that you unhook the house phone? Does that mean there's no screens at the table? Um, does that mean that, you know, an hour before everyone sits at the meal, everyone takes a nap, right? Or you take a nap so you could sit and enjoy the meal. I know that for me, when I'm um, in the holiday of Passover, one of the boundaries that I create during that specific holiday is before the two main holiday meals, because there's two main meals, um, about two hours before the meal, I take a 45 minute nap, 45 minutes to an hour. And that's a non-negotiable, right? So mayors with the kids, like we pre-plan this, like that is critical for me because I want that time, whether I'm sleeping or just reading or just doing nothing, it doesn't matter. That is my time to ground myself, to regulate my nervous system so that when I'm at the table, I am showing up in a way that brings joy to my family. I am smiling. I am well rested. I am, you know, feeling full of generosity. I don't feel any sense of obligation. Like I am full of joy and a full bucket. And that comes from a good nap, especially when I'm running around the place, getting everything ready for the holiday, right? So I want these things to give you ideas of maybe you take a nap before you sit down for the big holiday meal. Whatever that means for you, I first want you to start with, what does joy mean? Okay, next. Number two, what does service mean during the holiday season? Okay, for many of you who grew up in service-based environments, um, you know, whether you're coming from a specific faith or you're coming, your household was full of service, the holidays mean service for many of us. And I think it's important to recognize how you want to define service during this particular season of life and during this particular holiday season. Right. So sometimes I think of service from the context of, you know, when we lived in New York, my grandfather lived about an hour, almost two hours uh, from New York. And during one particular holiday, we decided that we were going to make a long trip out there to go visit him because for him, seeing our kids brought him so much joy. Right. Seeing his great grandkids brought him tremendous joy. And so while the drive and the packing and all that, that's a hassle and it's hard and it's, you know, a little bit inconveniencing. But for me, service was, this is an act of service that I want to do. Even though all the things beforehand are frustrating, once I'm there, seeing my grandfather's joy, seeing the smile on his face, seeing how we have 
brought him healing and joy and just added years to his life just by having him sit in the presence of his great grandkids. Like that is service. And I think it's important for us to lead from a place of joy and self-care. And those things are not just about what do I need right now? Because the bottom line is, this is the Schools of Excellence podcast. And part of leading a life of excellence is also about showing up and being in service for other people and being in connection, being in relationships. And so once we've kind of done the first step of like, okay, what does joy mean in our immediate nuclear family? And then what does it look like as we extend further? What does service look like? And so service extends to our you know, family of origin, our extended family, brothers, sisters, um, aunts, uncles, friends who have become like family. So just understanding what service means and starting to wrap your mind around, well, what do we want that to look like? You know, are we making a trip to grandpa this year? Are we going to say hi to, you know, my brother or whatever it is? Like, even right now, at the time of this recording of this episode, you know, I'm already looking a couple months ahead, Passovers in a couple months, and I'm already thinking about like, okay, so if we go here for the holiday, we're going to want to make sure that we can go say hi to my two brothers who live nearby, right? So we want to build that into what does joy mean for us during that specific holiday? And I'm constantly asking these questions because, again, we have a lot of holidays in our culture and so in our faith and our culture. And so this is something that I'm constantly asking myself because every couple of months I'm, I'm back in this season. I'm like, OK, we're on our next holiday. What does this look like? I want to share with you a story about a client of ours who started in our directors in our circle and moved her way into our owner's HQ program when we opened that up as well. E.C. Griffin is the owner of the Growing Room Preschool in Cincinnati, Ohio. And when she first came to the Summit of Excellence, she was working 80 hours a week. She had high blood pressure and was just working way harder than she needed to. She was just trying to wing it, trying to stop all the chaos that was happening in her center. But the biggest thing she was really looking to shift was the culture around turning her center into a career for her teachers and for them to stop looking at their jobs as being babysitters. She wanted to raise the standard. She wanted to create a culture where people were proud of where they went to work. So I want to share with you Missy's story here. We grew really rapidly and we hired a big chunk of people at once. Um, and I had never really done hiring. I had a one-room school for 17 years. I thought I could just wing it and figure it out as I go. And so I made tons of mistakes, made a mess, was operating out of fear of not having employees and not being able to make payroll and losing students and things like that. And my school was excellent, and it always had been. We had a great reputation. We were growing so rapidly, and I was ruining it. And it, that was killing me because that was my baby. And so I went online and tried to figure out what I was going to do about that and repeatedly saw Connie's name. So I was like, all right, I, I was looking for a book or something. Like, I didn't even know these kind of things existed. So we came, I came last year and I remember sitting out there and looking at the women up here that were on the inner circle. And I was just thinking, wow, they're running really great schools and I'm not and I'm going to get there. And so my biggest epiphany was I didn't have to dumb down and take anybody. Um, it was an excellent school and I needed to remind myself of that and it was a, a pleasure to, it's a privilege to work there. So, and because it is an awesome school and so I needed to meet 
my standards for that. And so what I started doing was creating the standards of excellence um, through the program. And it was life-changing. And <laughs> so I cry a little. Um, and so I realized that just like with our kids, we set high expectations for them. And when they meet them, they're proud of themselves. And I don't know why that didn't sink in. But as soon as we set the standards high for the teachers and told them crystal clear what they at least had to meet, then they all kind of rose to the challenge and they all think of it as a career now where it was like I had one teacher tell me it felt like babysitting and I was like, oh, ouch. Not that that's like a bad thing, but yeah. that's not what I'm running here. This is yeah. this is a school of excellence. Yes, yes. And, so, and I knew it, but I couldn't get it across to anybody else. So what I needed to do was quit not raising the bar for them. And, and when, as soon as I did, it was like overnight almost, you know, we had them sign their standards and they instantly rose to the occasion. And my life went from chaos and crazy. Like my blood pressure had gone up. I hadn't seen my husband in a month. <laughs> like it was crazy. I was working like 80 hour weeks and still failing. And, and I couldn't do any more than I was doing. I was just doing it wrong. So now I'm working half as much. My blood pressure's down. It's, it's amazing. So, so this group of women that I was so excited to, to watch and observe and I was so envious of, I can't believe I'm sitting up here. You may have found yourself nodding your head or just taking a deep breath when you heard Missy share her story. You may resonate with parts of it and part of it may be your life right now. And I want you to know that Missy's story isn't unique or special. It's a story of thousands of school owners who are struggling to really get out of the chaos and get out of survival and really learn the systems, the processes, and the most importantly, the mindset to be a leader and build a school of excellence. So if you're interested in learning more about our directors in our circle, our Owners HQ program, I invite you to apply. Our link is in the show notes. The reason we have an application process is because this group is a small curated experience of owners and directors who are really committed to their growth, to the pursuit of excellence, and to building long-term sustainability, legacy, and profit in their schools. I look forward to seeing your application and I hope you join us. So number three, let's go to our centers, okay? What does connection and disconnection mean from our centers? So some of you are completely closed during the last 10 days, two weeks. Some of you are only closed on specific days. Um, some of you have just, you know, smaller attendance during that time. Um, staff want to take some personal time off. There's just a lot going on, right? And I think the first question you want to ask is, what does it mean to truly disconnect? So if you're going to intentionally take a couple days off, and I hope you do, I hope you take a few days, even if the center is open, to disconnect for you. What does disconnection look like? Does it mean that your phone is literally off, right? And you're just not answering anything. I have a time like this every holiday. There's at least two or three days during every holiday that my phone is completely off. Nobody can reach me. I am only available to the people that are in my household. And I do that all the time. Like every time there's a holiday, there are two or three days where my phone is completely off. Nobody can reach me. My computer's off. My phone is off. All laptops are off. All screens are off. There is a screen-free 48 hours and sometimes three days. So that's for me, right? That makes sense for me. That might not be right for you. I'm giving you ideas and, and just kind of different ways to look about what disconnection means when you're trying to reconnect 
with your higher values, your higher purpose, right? Faith, family, connection, holiday, relationships, whatever that is. So that's the first thing, right? What does disconnection mean? The other thing is, is that many times during the last 10 days, there's all these tasky, tasky things, right? Like you got to have that conversation with the tax accountant. You need to meet with the lawyer about this. You need to have a conversation with this person about the property tax that's going up for the center or the lease is going up or the leases, you know, the, the landlord decided like, there's just all these things, right? And you can't plan for them. Sometimes they really just come up. And so this episode is about, okay, well, how are we going to create margin for the things that come up so that your family doesn't pay the price? I'm going to say that again for the people in the back. How are you going to create margin for all the things that are going to come up in your center so your family doesn't pay the price, right? You can't book yourself exactly and say, well, this is the time I'm spending with my family because I have to do this in the summer. Well, what if things don't go exactly as planned? Because they never do, right? Do you have the margin and the space for if you need to dedicate an extra hour in the center? Are your or is your family going to pay the price, right? So some things to think about. What are you going to say no to so you could say yes to the holiday and to your family? Who are you going to say no to so that you could say yes to the holiday and the family? This takes massive self-awareness and discipline to say, I am going to say no to this because I'm saying yes to this. So here's another exercise for those of you that like like the tangible strategies, right? I want you to scan your to-do list and your meetings that you have over the next 10 days until New Year's. And I want you to ask on every single item that's there, can this wait till January? Can this wait till January? Now, your initial response is going to be, no, it's got to be done out. It's got to be done out. It's got to be done out. I am going to challenge you on that and ask you to filter it through. Does me not showing up to this meeting or me rescheduling this meeting to January have detrimental consequences on long-term profit and sustainability of the company? If I push off this meeting, do I all of a sudden have a negative balance in my bank account? Do I, is it going to massively impact the sustainability of my company? 99% of the time, it's not. If I don't do this task, will it drastically hurt my re reputation or retention? 99% of the time, it's not. So I want you to ask these bigger questions because when you look at it from this lens, it becomes a little bit easier to say no. It's still hard, but it becomes a little bit easier. Okay. And this is just such a great exercise to help you create better boundaries during the holiday season. Okay. I'm going to share one more with you. The last thing is, is to assess your habits that you want to engage in over the next 10 days. Okay, so let's take a simple habit. Some of you have a habit when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is you roll over and you look at your phone to see who called out today. So let me tell you, even though the center is not open or maybe the center is open, but you're not clocking in that day, you're still going to check that phone. Because it's habit and habits die hard and your body's going to move faster than your mind and you're going to default to checking. So this episode is here to help you pause and be intentional. Take a moment. I want you to think about your morning routine. What does it currently look like? What are you doing? Right. Checking phone, grabbing coffee, making lunch. Boom, 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 boom. Right. 
What do you want to be doing in the morning when you're not at the center? What do you want to be doing? And then what do you not want to be doing? What do you want to do midday, right? What if you planned not just the tasks and the meetings, but you planned, oh, we're going to go see a show. We're going to go out for dinner. I'm going to take a walk. We're going to take the kids to see the mountains. We're going to go make a fire pit outside. It's usually the ordinary things that create these small moments of joy that create memories that we always look back on fondly. We're proud of ourselves when we can hold up our boundaries, when we make decisions from a place of intentionality and humility and not from ego and people-pleasing or perfectionism or overcommitting or overachieving. It feels good. It's hard, but it's good. And I know you can do this. So for today, I want to hear from you in our free Facebook group, the Schools of Excellence Lounge. I want to hear what resonated with you from today's episode and what's going to be your next action step as you go into this holiday season. Again, I want to thank you for being such an active listener during this year. And I want to wish you and your family health, joy, peace, gratitude, all the blessings during this season. Thanks for joining and happy holidays. If you're an owner and a director, director, regional director, VP of operations, doesn't matter your role in the school. One of the things that we crave most in our leadership is accountability. As you move up in the rungs of leadership, there's really less and less accountability because there's less people that you're responsible to report to, especially when you're in the highest ranks where you're the owner, there's very little accountability. You don't really have to answer to anyone. You call all the shots and while there's a lot of privilege in that, there's also a downside in really having to hunt for your own levels of accountability, for your own way to motivate yourself and get yourself inspired. And it could feel very lonely up there. You're looking for camaraderie, for community, um, for people just to link arms and surround yourself with. And it's one of our secret sauces in our directors in our circle and our owners HQ program where members are constantly talking about how the accountability has been game changer for them. So I want to introduce you to one of our members, Ellie Estrin, who runs a school in Atlanta, Georgia. She's been a member for many years and she shares her experience of how the accountability continues to transform her leadership and her school. The accountability yeah. and the consistency of the group that there's always something ongoing and there's always a challenge or something that we're a, a sprint that we're doing and that kind of was always my hook that kept me going so there would be like times where I might fall under the radar and then there would be a sprint and I'd be like oh no I'm getting back on this <laughs> keep it keep yes. going and it would keep my motivation and keep me um, focused and being proactive the way that I really want to be proactive and having the opportunity for the sessions that we call in or if I missed one to be able to really watch them that was so helpful for me um, and to be able to implement changes that I wanted to implement for so long and to have the support from everybody else and including Hani especially to have that support and to have just all the opportunities to do that.
You may have nodded your head with joy of like, yes, I need accountability. I want the consistency. I want a group of people that I can lean on. And I want you to know that's a very basic human need to want accountability and community and just to have those relationships where you can lean on people and people can lean on you. And you're part of a community where you can contribute, where you can ask for what you need, where you can take what you need. So I really want to encourage you to apply for the directors in our circle or the owners HQ. Um, just to explain a little bit of the difference between our two programs. The directors in our circle are for the directors, the assistant directors, our Owners HQ program is really for people that are owners, VP of operations, regional managers, people who have a lot of the ownership responsibility, and then also for owners as well. We have our separate program for owners only, which is our CEO legacy group, which is for CEOs who run and operate multiple centers. Um, that's a separate kind of a private only invitation only experience. So I'd love for you to join us in the Directors Inner Circle or Owners HQ. You could click the link in the show notes to apply, learn more about the program, see if you're a fit, and then you and I will jump on a quick call together and learn more about your goals, learn more about what you're looking for, and see if this is the right program for you for this coming year. If you are loving the Schools of Excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.